have so many things in my mind and my heart coming into this morning. It was like scrambled eggs. I mean, <clears throat> there's just so much activity and uh, so much that I've been carrying. But when I, uh, when I came into the room and I was with the family, I just, everything settled. It didn't settle that I understand what I'm about to say because I don't understand what I'm, I don't even know what I'm about to say. But it settled that it's okay because we are with the Lord. And this family is astounding. I am blown away this morning by this. I mean, I think almost every strand that I have written down here and others that I've been thinking about was mentioned somewhere in this morning. And it is such an honor to be together. To be together. I just feel the privilege of it. You are astounding. I've known it, but I know it more. I am so blown away to be with the people who is willing to do this, to surrender everything. What a treasure. Are you soaking that in this weekend? Are you feeling the, the weight? And there's others who weren't, who, who weren't able to be here, and they're with us in this place. It is such a rarity, such a treasure to be with the Lord and with one another. And it's going to be okay because of that. And it's going to be good. It is going to be wonderful. It is going to be beyond what we have asked or imagined. From the first moment I met the Holy Spirit, I was given a gift that I couldn't earn. The love of God that the world is longing for. He said, you tasted the world's love and it broke your heart. Now you're going to taste my love and I'm never going to leave you. And I mean, something gripped me that I cannot explain. I never wanted to be a pastor All I want is for every human being to receive the love of God. If you want to call that a pastor, call it whatever you want. But there is something inside of me. It took hold of me. I was 17. I can't explain it. It makes no sense. Just like this not three-point sermon I'm about to give. It is a groaning it is deeper than words. I would sit in my room at 17 and I would groan for my high school. I would groan so deeply that I could not make words and that groan is back in me. I am feeling the ache of creation, longing to be free. They are longing for their adoption. 
They are crying out. They have been subjected to frustration and futility, Romans 8 says. And they are longing for the glory of the children of God. And I am seeing it as he puts shame into the grave, as he takes fear and he takes the hand off your throat and he puts it into the grave with his dead body so he can raise us. I feel a longing that is beyond words. I feel the groan of the city and I feel the groan of the spirit and sometimes I can't get the words out. It has me. And I heard it in you, Doug, today, and I see it in this family. And that's not a charismatic personality. That is the spirit of the living God who actually says, I am in the pains of childbirth until it is born. That is what Galatians 4 says. That is what Romans 8 says. That we ourselves long. I don't want to snot all over you. That we ourselves long, but the Spirit longs for this more than we long. And if you just wait a moment, you'll start to feel the Spirit of God giving you the very reason that Jesus died. It will come up from you because he could not live without us. He would die to have us. This is our gospel. You cannot say gospel without saying revival. And I do not want hype, and I do not want sensationalism. I want everything that's dead to come back to life. How can you mean anything else from the gospel? There was a man who lived a life we couldn't live and died, totally and fully died into a grave. And God, his father, brought him back to life. Will this not always be the good news of the kingdom of heaven? Everything can live. We're standing in a liminal moment in the whole Western church. I don't know if you're listening to a podcast called This Cultural Moment, but the last session is so articulate if you haven't listened to it. We're standing in a moment in the Western church in liminal space, having let go of one thing, but we don't know what we will become. There was a prophet in the scriptures who was in this space. His name was Ezekiel. He was in exile. Everything was dead. In fact, at one time, God took him out and said, look at these dead bones. Can they live? God took him out of those dead bones, and he picked him up. And in Ezekiel 43, it says, that he showed him his eyes were open and the glory of the Lord was coming from the east. And as it came, the whole earth shone with glory. He began to see a temple in between the promises that had died in exile and what was coming. In this liminal space, it is the space of the creative imagination, the space of prophecy, the space where something beyond words is being formed, and God the Spirit has taken hold of us. But will our eyes see what he is doing? God shows Ezekiel a temple a temple that he would never have been able to imagine. He would never have thought 
of living stones. He would never have thought of the Bohaderites and the Haudashels being built together into something beautiful. He would never have thought of sticking the Blackwells and the Coxes into this neighborhood where the Spirit of God could dwell. But he was seeing something. He could not imagine the temple that God was putting together. He couldn't imagine the configuration of our lives in which he would pour his spirit out to dwell in our midst. But his imagination was wakened in the liminal space between what he had known and death was all around him closing in. And in that place, God was awakening the imagination in Ezekiel 43. The spirit of God was opening his eyes. And then he took him to the gate of that new temple. He's thinking, what is this temple? And he, he shows him a river flowing from the threshold. That's literally the word liminal. He shows him a river. Do you believe that out of liminal will flow the river of God? Out of this crushing, out of this place, out of the threshold, it says where the soles of God's feet rest comes a river, and Ezekiel's eyes are open. He's going, what is this? And God says, come like Tim Gustafson, wade in the water. And he goes, okay, ankles. And I just want to say this, guys. It's okay if you wade into the water. Some of you have already jumped off the banks. Awesome. But I love that God measures out a thousand and then a thousand. He finds himself at the knees and, the, and at the waist and then he's over his head. This river is flowing out and then God picks him up and shows him wherever the river goes, there is life. I don't think Ezekiel could imagine that there was going to be a people who was the living temple filled with God himself. No, I know he wouldn't have understood it. Filled with God himself, God in all flesh, because the hour of the man of power is done. This is the time for every believer to be filled with the spirit without measure and to be built together in family to release what the river is doing. And everywhere the river goes, there will be life. And then he sees fruit all the way down the banks. And this fruit never goes out of season. There's always life and fruit. And lastly, he sees healing. I don't think Ezekiel could understand. And I think as we sit in a liminal moment in the Western church, I'm one of thousands of voices articulating this, including National Geographic, apparently. <laughs> as we sit in this liminal space, the Western church is losing their mind. We are desperately trying to hold on instead of embrace a liminal moment. And we have yet to see what will be. But God is saying, do you perceive it? Like deeper 
than the eyes that you have in your head. Can you see something in your spirit? Ezekiel couldn't imagine all that is breaking out across the earth, but he could perceive the moment and agree with it. The Lord is inviting us. Will you, in the liminal space, allow me to let you see what can't be seen in the natural? I want to invite you into the prophetic imagination, into the mystery of saying yes to something God is writing that may take several more generations. But here we stand. Very micro, Nava is in a little liminal space. But do you see, we are woven into a global story where God is jealous to have the church back. A year ago, almost to this week, I went into the Schomburg's house. Man, was that a mistake. God lives there, in case you ever wanted to know. Our worship community was in there. And I had the most significant encounter I've had in 10 years, March 22nd last year. I shared it last year at the retreat. And I thought, why in the world am I sharing this? And in fact, not much even happened with it. But I knew I had to proclaim it. I stand here a year later saying, I believe I've been walking in that experience for a year. What happened, and I'm not going to tell you the details, is the fire of God's presence came on my body to the point where all I could scream was Jesus at the top of my lungs because I thought I was going to meet the Lord in front of all my friends, that I would die and he would be no more. Wow, that was an intense prayer meeting. I'm serious. I'm talking about physical fire like I think I'm going to die. And then God speaks. I'm giving you back everything you love. The word love is impossible to articulate. When God says his being, it is love. It's like I'm giving you back everything that, uh, me. It was like, and I started to say, no, I'm giving you back everything you love. And he said, no, I'm giving you back everything you love. I said, no, I'm giving you back everything you love. And the fire of the Lord's on me. All this is internal. All I'm doing is screaming Jesus as I'm having this encounter. So Katie Egley comes over, fireball, red head, you know, and she's hand on my back, and I begin to go into labor. I didn't know men could do that, but apparently Paul did it in Galatians 4. He said, I am in the grip, the pain of childbirth until Christ is formed in the church. It's a real thing. And sometimes he gives a man a sign of what truly amazing, courageous women physically do. But what God is groaning for, for real in creation. And I was giving birth. I was going through labors. The only time I've heard those noises is when my wife actually had our first child. I was going through it. And, I, and this is all internal. As the Lord is saying, I'm giving you back. Every, I'm, I am reviving, basically. I am everything that's lost, everything's disappointed, everything that's dead, I'm giving it back. And I felt like it wasn't just me. It was broader. And Katie Igley is screaming, 
He's giving everything back. He's giving everything back. I haven't said one word out of my mouth. Why? Because she had had a dream the night before in which the Lord had showed her all this. That's scary. So I am freaking out that she's literally saying what God is saying. She didn't add the word love, which that was, a, that was so significant in this moment. But she is, she is declaring it. Fire, birth, dead things will live again. For the last five months my, in my life, fire, baptism of fire, surrender everything. I thought it was a cool prophetic experience, not like take everything. I remember being in a city leaders meeting and I'm, we're praying right after I had this encounter back in March a year ago. We're praying with the city prayer leaders. And, and all of a sudden, the Lord says to me, Adam, would you have shut down the prayer meeting that birthed the church because it got too out of control? Pentecost. It was wild. And, and he says to the room, would you, are you going to shut down the prayer meeting that gives birth to the church in Kansas City? And then someone else, a dear father in the faith, he's in his 70s, who's been contending for God to move in Kansas City for decade upon decade. He begins to shake. He begins to cry out. And he says, the spirit wants his church back. The spirit wants his church back. And we begin to declare he's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Little did I know that the Lord was going to come to my own life first and say, I want everything back. I want it all. Fire comes on the body, but birth happens. Birth happens of what God wants to do. And how incredible that, that the woman who's praying for me that day, who has a dream this morning, I don't know what's more miraculous, that she had the baby on March 31st, as was essentially prophesied, or that she had it on her due date, which never happens. <laughs> it was a real due date. That's like the first time I've ever heard that. <laughs> it was due today. She had her baby at seven what? 50 something. Nine pounds, seven ounces. There we go. A fire in a birth. You cannot make this stuff up. I don't understand it, but will I perceive? Will I allow him? Now the dream that Katie had, why she was she was proclaiming over me, he's giving everything back, was we were in literally a 24/7 gathering about revival. And we come into the seminar, and Dave and I coming in like we would come in, freaking out. And I'm going, I've had a dream. I've had a dream. I've had a dream. Ananias. Ananias is the key. Ananias is the key. He's opening our eyes. He's giving everything back. And then the Lord broke out in this gathering. We're going, what is happening? I'm saying, I'm screaming out. And Katie's like, it's just like you would have done it. I'm like, what is happening? So she wakes up, she has no idea who Ananias is. So she looks up Ananias. 
Ananias, there's a man who's seen me, but he's now blind. Ananias, go to the street called Straight. Go there. And I want you to open his eyes. He will be filled with the Spirit. For this man is my chosen instrument to go to the Gentiles. To the ends of the earth, right? Ananias, he's freaked out of his mind because he saw this man in a certain way, but he did not see him as God saw him. We are going to have to have different eyes as we go to the city. Right? And we're going to have to go, sometimes go right to that street because there's one person there who is going to have their eyes opened and they're my chosen instrument to go. And so he goes and it says as Ananias puts his hand on his head, it says scales fall off of his eyes. And now Paul not only is restored in his natural sight, but he can see what God has been doing all along. And the birth of the church to the Gentiles happens, right? She looks up Ananias. What does Ananias mean? Ananias means the cloud. Okay? Ananias means the cloud. We will have to go to where God is already encountering people following the Holy Spirit's directive to see scales fall off and apostolic disciple-making birthed in a city. You see, we are not the cloud. We do carry the presence, but the Lord is encountering people, and we have to go put our hands on what he's doing and bless it. And we're going to have to find the longing groan of God coming up not through one preacher, not through a series of meetings, but as an entire people going together to bless what he is doing. There's fire, there's a birth. I believe we've been sitting in a year beyond, I mean, some of these strands are coming together this morning. I mean, this is not something that has been scripted out. You can ask the team. I was freaking out 20 minutes before this. Like, I have no idea what I'm going to say. This is not in the order on my notes. Something's going on in the midst of us. What I know is we have been built as a family. We have been called beloved. Our identity is not in how many people get healed and how many people get saved and what justice is released and what flourishing businesses are created and what economic uplifting and what racial equality looks like. All those things are going to make us rejoice at the goodness of God, but our identity is as a family of beloved sons and daughters. And family lives life to life, heart to heart. The fire is passed by love, as Dwayne said. We have been made a family. A family. And with what the Lord wants to do, 
100%, we will need to receive the Spirit of God. Fire. A family of fire. We have been talking about it. We do not have the power to do anything. We can't move the kingdom one inch. The kingdom is in the Holy Spirit, the scripture says. Everything from heaven that gets unlocked to earth happens through a human being surrendering to the spirit as a portal for heaven to come into earth. Every single thing. A family of fire. And when you welcome the Spirit, as we've heard over and over and over and over, He will burn away everything which hinders love to give you the glory of God, the best of who He created you to be. So we don't mess with fire, we reverence fire. We open our hearts to the Spirit, knowing that it is full delight and it's total discipline. It's a fire of the Lord. But man, until we're clothed with power, we can't move the, the, the kingdom of God even one inch. We are like the eagle learning to soar. I love all these words are coming about eagles. I got two pictures on my phone. A bald eagle flew over my head and landed in my tree and looked at me for 15 minutes at my house. I, I got all my children outside. We're looking at the bald eagle. I'm like, bald eagle, come over here. <laughs> I am just terrified. And I'm, it was the worst day of my crushing and this whole experience was a bald eagle comes and sits in the tree. We show up at the retreat and there's a bald eagle sitting in the tree right over there, 30 minutes just looking at us. I take pictures of both of these bald eagles. I'm like, what is the deal with the bald eagle? I'll tell you, I just know a little bit. Bald eagles are wild, man. They wait and wait and wait because they do not flap their wings. They soar on currents of wind. And they will not move until the currents take them. They literally will die because they can't exert that much energy with the weight of their body. They become masters of soaring. Not by might or power, but by my spirit. In the liminal space, you must only take hold of God and soar. You must soar. It's the sailboat. It's the eagle. It's follow the cloud. However you want to say it, we have to be fully surrendered to the spirit. Fire, a family who knows who they are in friendship who is baptized in fire, every sin confessed. <laughs> he is good. He loves us. Man, and we receive empowerment, not just refinement. Empowerment and authority to soar. The other thing about an eagle is they can see two miles down a rabbit. They have... Two sets of lenses. Their eyes are telescopic. So they use one lens for certain situations. Then they switch into the other lens and it goes telescopic. This is an Ananias moment. When, when Paul's eyes were open, he could see and he could see in the spirit. He's speaking about an eagle that soars and an eagle that sees. 
that sees and perceives what he's doing. There's a lot more, I'm sure. You can't see me. I'm so sorry. I like to be close to the people. We can't just be a family of fire. Throughout history, the Spirit of God has been poured out, and it's utterly ruined what it's poured out because there has been no form, no pattern of disciple-making. What do I mean by that? I mean the commands of Christ. I mean you can love the presence But if you're not willing to just be faithful to a rhythm of Sabbath rest, you will die. I'm talking about fire that fills our humanity, as Laura said. A pattern, a form, spiritual formation, where we learn the rhythms of healthy life. I want to do that justice thing. Okay, but can you go to bed on time the night before and wake up and spend time in the scriptures when you don't feel the buzz? Just devoted to the word of God. Man, I want to see revival and preach. Can you get together every week with the believers and encourage one another and actually show up to contribute when you feel nothing? This is where we will lose the plot if we do not come into spiritual formations, the house that we've been showing you. If you will, and this is something I'm borrowing from Mark Sayers, the the revival eagle is a two-winged bird, fire and form. The bird is family, but we've got to have fire and we've got to have form. Or if you want to say it another way, the bird is people. We've got to have a pattern and we've got to have presence. And so there's something going on where this cannot just be revival meeting after revival meeting. Why is God doing this once he took the building away? Because there's no place for the pouring out to go except to into your homes or into the city somewhere. There's no place for it to go. We can't have 39 revival meetings every night and kill ourselves. Here's the deal. When the spirit of God pours out It can either have irrigation channels, and if there's no irrigation channels, instead of it producing life, it is a judgment, and it floods the field and kills everything. What are the irrigation channels of the outpouring of the Spirit? Your everyday life patterned in the way of Christ. You are a disciple, making disciple. The new new wineskin When he pours wine and he goes, if there's not a flexible form of the way of Jesus, life on life, house to house, living as the family of God in the commands of Christ, it will utterly ruin the vessel. Right? We see this in the Methodists. They had fire and form and it's sustained to this day. The pouring out of the spirit, bands of disciples, ordaining the ordinary, going in, everyone could play and the church was multiplied for generations. We're standing in a moment where God wants to do something. He's teaching us. He's leading us. We're following a cloud. 
But there is fire, there is form, most importantly, there's family, right? Knowing who we are in Christ, one to another. These are unusual days. And we are not alone in this, Nava. Kansas City has caught the attention of the Father. There's been 24-7 prayer for 20 years in our city. There has been there has been grandmas and grandpas crying out for God to do something. There has been those who have been treated unjustly in the urban core, our black brothers and sisters who have been crying out for the oppression to end for decade after decade after decade after decade. There has been a groan in this city. It is not about Nava. We are catching the wind. We are just catching the wind. And it will be amazing to see all the other eagles take flight. <laughs> I, I don't even know what's coming. I am so excited about that. If I could add one last F word, it is going to be fun. Like strobe lights, dancing, children, Tim Gustafson, Dave on a chair with a light bulb. What else will God do? I have no idea, but it's got to be fun. This is no sacrifice. Just now you will be face to face with a king. And you only have one moment to live. It is a mist. It's a, flating, a fading flower. But isn't it beautiful, this fading flower? And into eternity we've played our part. Holding what's gone before. Holding what's coming. Liminal. Your whole life is liminal. You're standing as a link in the chain of the story of God. And oh, what a privilege to play our part. We're not God's answer. We just get to have fun with God. What does it feel like to soar? I mean, amazing. This is going to be wild, wonder-filled days. And I am so honored that it's just not a few, but a whole family filled with fire and willing to be formed in the image of Christ in his way get to go together. That's the treasure. That's the treasure. Yeah. In the coming days, some of you are going to begin to experience a groan beyond words. It is not something you muster up. 
It's not something you pray hard enough for. You're just going to begin to feel the longing love of the Spirit as though it says in 2 Corinthians, Christ himself was making his appeal through your body. Be reconciled to God. What's that like? God on the inside of your humanity longing for reconciliation in the earth. You're going to start to feel this spirit's mothering, fathering love, longing for home, longing for her children, longing for this reconciliation. Bring home. Make beautiful. It is the cry, it's the innate cry of the spirit. Creation groans. It says the church groans, but the spirit brings culture and creation and the church together in reconciliation with this, like, Groan until birth. Until birth. Does someone more pastoral than me know how to land this?